Hi everyone and uh, welcome to the latest edition of uh, the Dundee Football Podcast. Um, I'm really happy to be joined by one of the, the lawyers in the Sheridan sport team, Alex Harvey. Uh, Alex, uh, in the last couple of days, has just written um, a really interesting, concise point, um, a article rather, um, which details um, effectively what could um, be the case um, over the summer period um, across a lot of leagues regarding uncertainty about the contract players and what I thought would be quite useful was just to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes just chatting through his article in a little bit of detail and having Alex explain some of the um, explain some of the parts. So um, I think Alex, I think probably the, the thing that um, uh, has dedicated quite a few um, uh, conversations and headlines over the last week or so, obviously, especially since since um, uh, everything COVID-19 has, has come to the fore is what the sort of current position is um, under the regulations and, and what is the status quo and why that is of concern to sort of clubs and associations alike. Yeah, so uh, the status quo uh, at the moment is that uh, a number of players' contracts who are kind of coming up to the end of their contracts will expire on the 30th of June this year. And alongside their employment contracts, they've also got image rights contracts, which will uh, run alongside that. Um, as of the 1st of July, they essentially become free agents, which means that they're no longer employed by the club. Uh, they don't need to attend training or matches or anything like that. And the club, vice versa, doesn't need to pay them their salary. Um, also, the transfer window at the moment, that would open as normal unless something changes in June um, and players can be registered with new clubs as of the 1st of July. So as things currently stand, um, players whose contracts expire on the 30th of June will um, essentially be able to transfer to a new club on the 1st of July. Uh, but as we're probably going to discuss over the next few minutes, um, there are obviously issues around when the transfer window might open and uh, that might have some knock-on consequences for those players whose contracts are due to expire. I completely agree. And I think the, 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 the reason why this has obviously come to the fore in so many ways is because of at least the suspension of the current season Premier League came out yesterday um, and agreed that no games are going to happen, I believe, until uh, the end of April at the earliest. And there's certainly moves mm. afoot to reports, at least to be thinking about how games can be played behind closed doors. And part of the reason for all of that is because um, th there'll be significant financial consequences for not being able to finalise the season of those games not to be broadcast. And so I guess then the reason why everything that you've said is so um, important and so substantive um, is because the season in effect might go on past the 30th of June where certain players might be out of contract um, and uh, the season might go on to July, August and further and if that's the case um, there's probably a number of questions as to integrity of competition, uh, contractual relationships with clubs etc and I guess that's, that's the next bit of your article isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that there's um, obviously a number of reasons why all the stakeholders want to complete the current season. Um, all the noises we're hearing from the FA and the Premier League and the EFL uh, are that they want to get the season completed. And like you said, the main reason is because of the probably the financial impact 
impact that that would have. Um, there's obviously very valuable financial broadcasting deals in place that if uh, the season couldn't be completed, those broadcasters, the likes of Sky and BT, would essentially say to them, look, a quarter of the games haven't been played, so we want a quarter of our money back. And uh, the value of those deals is so big that a quarter of the season's value um is yeah hundreds of millions of pounds so the premier league and all the clubs are obviously keen to get this finished uh there's obviously the integrity reasons as well um who gets relegated who gets promoted who qualifies for the european competitions um so yeah those are all big issues which means that um the clubs are obviously keen to complete the season um whether that can be done before the 30th of june remains to be seen um Hopefully it will. We'll, uh, with the Euros being pushed back a year, I guess we've got a bit more breathing space. But um, there's so much uncertainty at the moment that we wouldn't be surprised if uh, the season did have to continue into July and potentially August, um, even if those games are are behind closed doors. Um, and I guess the next question is really when when the transfer window would be, um, because obviously in usual circumstances the season finishes in May. Uh, and then the transfer window opens in June once the season's finished. Uh, and there are pretty obvious reasons for that because you don't want players transferring between clubs with two, three, four, five games left to play in the season. It would become a bit of a bit of a free-for-all um, and would cause some pretty significant integrity issues for the leagues. Um, so, yeah, it would seem sensible if the season was to be delayed um, that the transfer window would also get pushed back to um, essentially mirror the end of the delayed season, whenever that is. So if the season has to be played in July um, and maybe August, say it ends at the end of August, you'd expect the transfer window to open uh, potentially at the beginning of September. Um, what would happen if the transfer window opened before that would be players moving between clubs with 10 games to go um, and all sorts of issues arising there. So you'd like to think that the transfer window would be delayed, um, potentially on a, on a pan-European basis where UEFA, um, in kind of in agreement with all of the European leagues, decide to uh, delay the transfer window. Um, but as we'll come on to next, that might have significant consequences for those players whose contracts expire on the, on the 30th of June. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, obviously FIFA have uh, very recently come out and said that they're going to start some task forces and work groups around um, what the, the pandemic consequences might be for competitions, for timings, um, and trying to start garnering some um, views and opinions on from various stakeholders I had a conversation, uh, the last podcast we did with uh, with Johnny and our team, Johnny Medellin and our teams, one of the partners, and one of the bits that we were talking about was the situation. I know William, for example, at Chelsea came out and said um, that he'd be happy to play on post his contract expiring. Similarly, um, uh, Ben Foster and Aurelio Gomez um, mm -hmm. at uh, Watford, their first two-choice goalkeepers, contracts expire 30th of June. Um, that potentially brings some issues to, to bear if, for example, they decide either not to um, extend, query whether they can extend, and that's what we're going to talk about in a few seconds. Um, 
And I, I think then the, the point becomes, what are at least some of the possible options open to players, clubs, leagues, stakeholders, um, organisers to try and uh, mitigate the fallout? Because if it seems what's likely that the season is going to be extended, and I, I, I for one, think that's a pretty pragmatic, flexible approach, um, where does that leave um, uh, players and clubs who some players might actually be those contracts might be expiring come that period or that time rather. Yeah, I think it leaves both the clubs and the players in a in a pretty difficult situation because um, there's players who are uh, running down their contracts who whose club may not want to extend their contract. And if, for example, the transfer window is pushed back to August, September, those players could be left in limbo come the 1st of July because suddenly they're out of contract. They don't have a they don't have a club paying them a salary, but yet they're not allowed to move to a new club until, say, August or September because the transfer window hasn't opened yet. Um, so players are left in a difficult situation there. There's also the flip side, which is that players who are incredibly important to their teams um, and know that they are kind of yeah very valuable to the squad, know that the club is going to be desperate to keep them for the last eight or nine games of the season um, and can probably use that as a bit of a um, negotiation um, to demand higher wages and other signing on bonus. Um, so, yes, clubs could be left in a pretty difficult situation if the players um, use it against them, essentially. Um, and in terms of, in terms of options, um, as I see it, there are probably three options um, which, as you said, FIFA have set up a task force to, to look at. They might be looking at other other options. But from what I can see, there are essentially three um, options, one of which is to allow short-term rolling contracts, uh, which I think the FA have come out and said that they would potentially allow. Um, that's obviously a sensible step to, to allow players to, to basically... Um, extend their current contract for an extra two or three months, whatever's necessary. Um, those rolling contracts might be on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. Um, the only issue there is, as we've just discussed, which is clubs may not want the player to. Um, they they may not want the player any any longer. Um, they may be facing financial hardship as a result of the coronavirus. Um, and they might think, oh, you know what, we can we can save on this player's salary. Um, let's let him go at the thirtieth of June, and we'll we'll carry on with the with the remainder of the squad. Um, as we mentioned, players may also use it uh, as a as an opportunity to try and upgrade their salaries. So, yeah, if you leave it up to two parties to agree and extend an extended contract, although in in theory it's nice in practicality. Uh, there may be issues there. The second option is to allow the summer transfer window to open as it normally does. But as we discussed previously, there's obviously pretty serious concerns with regards to the integrity of the league if you start allowing players to move between clubs um, with three or four or five games left to play. And the third option, which is the one which I wrote that I was in favour of, which is to actually oblige clubs and players um, rather than letting them have a negotiation, but essentially force them to extend their contracts until the end of the delayed season. 
Um, and what that would do would, would basically alleviate the problem of the transfer window being pushed back because the out-of-contract players wouldn't be left in that situation where they find themselves without a club, but they're not allowed to move. That obviously wouldn't come without issues. Um, people would ask, how how do the governing bodies uh, slash leagues force two private parties in the clubs and the players to extend those contracts? And also, if, for example, there wasn't... Uh, a pan-European approach. So if if Spain opened their transfer window earlier than England and if France opened it later, then then what would happen there? So that there are no easy answers. But um, yeah, that, that was the uh, suggestion which I came up with. And I, th- I think one of the, the issues on a variety of different points, but on that last point also, is it, it might well be that clubs don't want to take on that additional liability. Almost the same point that you mentioned on the short-term rolling contracts point, which is... Yes, that might be the the preferred position to ensure stability and consistency of squads up until the end of whenever the season might happen. But it might well be that clubs may not want to take on that obligation for four or five players to to bridge that gap until uh, the end of the the delayed season. So, yeah, quite a lot of implications for um, what what necessarily might follow. I mean, it might also be that the the clubs for at least this season onwards try and. Um, get on and play games of it sounds like at least behind closed doors if possible one of the queries that we were at least thinking about was whether that could actually happen at um, particular clubs training grounds or at St George's Park and you have a certain number of matches all at a certain period of time with constant testing it's one of the things that the NBA I know have been discussing in a bit more detail as well so yeah, as usual, it's a pretty much evolving situation without any real um, uh, answers just yet. But I think um, obviously things are going to develop only based on um, uh, what the governmental uh, guidelines and um, approach is going to be. But it seems that at least in the short term, there aren't going to be too many football games being uh, played anytime soon. And it leaves the authorities to decide, at least to shore up from a financial perspective, uh, EFL coming up with a, a package of um, short-term funding um, that, that obviously will help safeguard the short-term interests of a number of their clubs. It remains to be seen, you know, at what point everything starts pinching really and the reactive nature of one club asking, just as Hearts did, for example, report, reported for a 50% wage reduction. At what point do the clubs start doing, you know, maybe the higher-profile clubs start um, doing the same. I think that's the next thing to probably start watching out for. Yeah, Alex, it's, it's a great summary and um, um, fantastic to have you on. Appreciate um, you taking the time to, to chat through all of um, these issues. Um, I'll make sure that the article um, which is published on LinkedIn is in the show notes um, and uh, looking forward to having you on again. Cheers, Paul. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast, like, share, and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi million pound transfers, and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, 
The podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Carell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.